Amen. Well, well, a very, very good morning from Revive Ghoul. Woo! <laughs> and a good morning from Revive Driffield. It's... It, it's uh, <laughs> do you know what you need to do? Just give your neighbour a high five. Amen. So it's just great to see you here this morning. Do you know? Absolutely fantastic to uh, be able to to kick off the series uh, Living Free. And as we was uh, in worship, you know, the scripture came to me. You know, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And do you know, we, we've got a wonderful expectation because God goes before us and God sets us up to enter into his blessing. You know, for some of us, we may have gone through some storms, some setbacks, you know, but God is setting you up to encounter his presence. He's setting you up to encounter his word this morning. And it's just an awesome privilege to be able to sing with a group of people here in Hull, your praise will ever be on my lips. You know, when you make that declaration, you're saying, God, I am going to praise you and I am going to bless you all the days of my life. You know, the psalmist said that in Psalm 34. He said, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be on my lips. And I'm standing here this morning to declare that his praise shall continually be on my lips because I've seen the goodness of God not only in other people's lives but in my own life and we've all got a story and we all read about some amazing things which Jesus did in the, the Old Testament, New Testament and even in the book of Acts as Luke writes it's just continuing on what Jesus is doing and this morning I want to just share my story, my experience, my encounter with Jesus. And hopefully, you know, you're going to be encouraged. You're going to be able to draw some strength from Jesus Christ. The only reason I stand in, in this place this morning is because of his amazing grace. You know, the, the, the hymnist said this amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Thank you, Phil. Amen. Do you know, I uh, came from a, an unchurched background. I, I never, ever really heard about, you know, Jesus but in my family, there was a grandma, and I love grandmas. Grandmas are the most amazing people in the whole wide world. But I had, let's give grandmas a hand clap. Woo! Do, do you know what I mean? Gra grandmas are just absolutely amazing. And I had a grandma who was a prayer. Amen. She prayed for me night and day, day and night. There was something in my grandma's prayer life which was saying, Jesus, can you just touch Jonathan? But you're, you're wondering, well, why am I alluding to a prayer when you don't really know the circumstances why my grandma were praying? Well, my grandma started, obviously she must have prayed for me ever since I was born. And <laughs> Do you know, I grew up in, in quite... 
a stable family life. My, my mum was only 18 when she had me. She, you know, she was a single parent. And do you know, my grandma and granddad, that, oh, she's absolutely amazing. You know, I, you know, I honour God that, you know, God brought me into such a wonderful family. I was loved, I was cared for, you know. And, you know, life was good. But there were one thing which seemed to be missing. When, when I looked around at the other families and that, you know, they had dads. And I always wanted a dad, you know. And, and I thought, you know, one day my mother got married and I thought, man, this is, this is it. She, you know, I'm going to have a dad. It's going to be amazing. And, and the truth is, unfortunately for me, it wasn't one of them ex amazing experiences. Do you know, I honour my stepdad and I bless him for the time which he sowed into my life. But you know, there just wasn't that sort of like gelling. You know, I, I, never, I never really felt accepted or fitted in and there were a deep desire on the inside of me just to belong. And, and I think every single person has that deep desire to, to belong. And I went through, you know, just childhood and I were a little bit of a rebellious kid. You know, one of these kids who were quite bright, had loads of potential, which my teachers kept telling me. But the thing is, I never listened. You know, they says you can accomplish great things. And, and people were speaking into my world, saying you can do great things. And I just wasn't listening. I was so preoccupied with me that I wasn't wasn't listening to the wisdom of my peers and I just went through my, my school experience being one of the school clowns you know guys you know I just want to say yeah I just wanted the attention I wanted to belong again and the thing is I was just making a fool of myself and I went through school and I never really accomplished any academic achievements whatsoever. And I left school with, with no qualifications whatsoever. And I thought, do you know what I need? I need a job. And, and, and when you left school, when I was younger, guess what? You could get a job quite easy. And I, and I went into my working life and I started to, to work and I got involved with, with a, a group of guys who, they were a little bit dodgy, you know, they were criminals. And all of a sudden I found myself being drawn to this criminal culture and I, and I started to do things which weren't inherent. It just, it wasn't me. I remember when I first shoplifted, I felt terrible. I got so convicted of stealing a book. I went to my mate, I can't, I just can't go. I don't know why I felt absolutely terrible. I felt terrible. And I took the book back. Do you know, I was never designed to be a criminal. You know what I mean? You know, you hear these stories, these criminals making loads and loads of money and doing all sorts of adventures. You know, I wasn't a good criminal. I was a very poor criminal. I used to feel terrible when I did wrong things. Why? Because I really believe I had a grandma who was praying for me. Um, and she was saying, Jesus, you've just got to touch my son. And I was so far away from God. It was unbelievable. God was never in my world whatsoever. If anyone said, are you a Christian? I'd say, yes, I'm a Methodist. And I'd stick out my chest because I knew my grandma went to church. And I just got so involved with, with all sorts I shouldn't have been involved in. And there were, you know, and I didn't feel right about doing what I was doing, but I continued doing what I was doing because I fit in, because I found a group of people who I thought I really gelled with. But the truth was that the, group, the, the, the types of groups I have hung around with really never, ever had my interests at heart. And, you know, I want to talk about living free in this, uh, in this house this morning. 
And I thought I had freedom. I thought, do you know, I am free to be me. I am free to do what I want to do. I can live the way I want to live. I can be who I seem I want to be. And I want to tell you, church, you know, I ended up getting myself into all sorts of messes. So basically, I started drinking from, a, from quite an early age. And I'll never, ever forget, I used to go out to the pub and I'd only be, I'd be under 18, shh. And I'd be drinking and I'd be getting drunk. And the, I thought I was having such a party time. But the truth is the people I was drinking with were really laughing at me, not with me. And you know, I never realised that from an early age. And, and do you know, there was still something on the inside of me, you know, thinking there's... There's got to be something more. It's not about going out partying. It's not about, you know, stealing things. There was just, all I can say was like a, an emptiness on the inside of me, which I just didn't know how to fill it. And I thought, do you know what, what I need? I need my own family. And I thought, if I have my own family, that is what life's all about. And it's great having family. But I fell in love with the idea of love. And I met this girl when I was 18. And I thought, do you know what's going to make me feel complete? I'm going to have a child. And the thing is, I, I, I've, I've got a, an absolutely wonderful son. He's, he's 26 years old now. But when, when, we had this, uh, when we had Luke, the truth was, I had no idea and no concept of what love was or what responsibility was and I remember leaving my job in, in, a, in a, a fit of anger thinking you know a guy spoke wrong to me and all of a sudden I used to think how dare you speak to me like that and I spoke to him quite aggressively and then what I thought in my great wisdom at 18 I'm gonna leave work and I left work and guess what I, I had a, a flat I had a young baby boy of a month old and I had a girlfriend friend who wasn't working because he just had loot and all of a sudden my life started to just spiral out of control and next door to us were a drug dealer now this fascinated me people used to come to our flat and knock on my door saying can you sort me out and I used to look at them, what do you want me to sort you out with and then I'd realise oh you want some drugs that's the, the hippie sort of guy next door so I used to point them next door and something of fascination grabbed me I'm thinking, ooh, what's this? Cannabis. And do you know, I want to tell you quite clearly, right from the onset, cannabis, people say it's not a gateway drug. I would beg to differ. I truly believe that cannabis totally opens the way to different sorts of drugs. And all of a sudden, I found myself knocking on his door saying can I have some of what you've got? And I didn't know how to roll joints and he used to roll joints for me. And I thought, this is what life's about. This is what I want to do. This is what I've been destined for. I am going to now be a drug user. This is so cool. I remember when my friends used to come to my house. We used to have, a, have these uh, desks and I used to leave joints. And I was hoping that they'd see the joints to think, do you know, you're really cool. But the truth is, I was just looking for people to like me. I was looking for people to say, you know, I just accept you. Yeah, and, and, and the truth is, we all need to, to have 
have that sense of acceptance and, and belonging. But I wasn't living free. I was, I was just starting a life thinking, I'm bound by what people think of me. I don't truly know who I am. And at 18, I didn't know who I was. But all of a sudden, my life started to be defined by drugs. Not by the wisdom of my peers, not by godly counsel. My life started then to be defined by drugs and the culture and the lifestyle which drugs bring. And all of a sudden, I, I, I started to smoke weed. And I'm not saying smoking cannabis caused me to leave my girlfriend and my one-month-old baby. That was poor choices. I just didn't know that my actions and my choices were going to have devastating effects. And I remember leaving Bradford and, and moving back to Keithley. And then I tried to repair the relationship, but the relationship was beyond repair. And then I realised, oh no, what am I going to do? And all of a sudden I found myself hanging around with, with, with a group of guys who to me had it. There were my friend called Johnny, who was the most gorgeous guy I'd ever seen in my life. He like had all the girlfriends and, and he had all the influence and people flocked around him. And I thought, I want to be like you. And I remember going to a, 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 on a night out with him and we were up in his uh, bedroom and I'll never ever forget that the first time he went into his pocket, he says, do you want some of this? And I'm thinking... No, I don't want any of what you've got. And he opened up a wrap and it were a wrap of amphetamine. It was speed. And the truth is I really didn't want what he had. But I didn't want to look, you know, like a coward. I wanted him to think you're one of the boys. And, and the truth to be known is my heart was pounding. Oh, it was pounding because I don't really want it. And I took this drug just to look good. And people say, were you forced into taking drugs? No, I wasn't. It was a choice I made. And all of a sudden, I felt the euphoria of this drug. And I thought, do you know what? This is what's missing in my life. And then I started a lifestyle of just pursuing, getting high. And just all I lived for was going out on a weekend, getting high, enjoying myself. And from speed, it went to ecstasy. From ecstasy, it went to acid. I'll never, ever forget the very first time I took acid. Again, it was the same guy. And I, did, I really didn't want to take it but I didn't want to look like a coward neither so I, I was silly enough to say yes and I'll never ever forget taking acid and going home thinking it's done nothing at all and as I got back to my mum's things started to move but the only problem is Janet and Luke were there and I'm thinking oh, no way I've got to be daddy now and the truth is, I couldn't be daddy in that state. Drugs has started to literally take over my life. And I always used to say this, do you know, I'm in control of my drug taking. And at this point, I'd still held down a job. I, I, do you know, I was still, still enjoying life to, to a point because I thought I found what it's all about. But the truth is, I was so wrong. I was so wrong. No one ever told me about the dangers and the damage which drugs can bring to my life. I just saw the glitz. I just saw the highs, you know, and I could accept feeling a bit rough. And all of a sudden, drugs subtly started to take control of my life. And I want to tell you, you know, guys, if, if you think drugs and you're in control of drugs, you were never in control of taking drugs. Never. 
Because what happened to me is there was a subtle transition. And what I thought I was in control of started to control my life. My health started to deteriorate. My thinking started to deteriorate. My, my relationship with my mum started to deteriorate. And all of a sudden, I found myself living in a culture where I was never meant to live in. And I started to sell drugs and I thought it were the bee's knees. I want to tell you, I used to go out and get a thrill from selling drugs. I truly did. I used to think, you know, you come into the pub, you see me, I sort you out. I thought I were doing the world a favour, but I was doing the world a disfavour. And I never saw that whatsoever. And then it came to a point where no longer could I hold a job down, no, no longer did I have a good relationship with my mum? No longer did I have the safety of the home. But I found myself living in the bedsit land. I found myself living at a, a proper poor level. Every, every penny I had went to drugs, not food. And my body started to waste away. And I remember I came in the dance culture in the 80s and the 90s where ecstasy were a big thing. And to be truthful, I used to be scared because in the back of my mind, people died from taking ecstasy. And, you know, there were big things in the paper of young people dying. And, you know, I, I remember taking tablets thinking, could this be the last time I took a tablet? Is this, is this the moment? It was literally Russian roulette for me. But I still did it because I was being foolish. Because drugs had taken over my life so much. And I remember after being awake for nights and nights and nights, I went to a, to a house to, to score some more drugs and I'll never ever forget the guy saying, why don't you inject some speed? And you know, I'd never been the type of guy who likes needles. Needles just don't do it for me. When I go to the dentist, you, 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 you need to counsel the dentist after me. Literally. It's a horrendous experience for me. But I've become brave now because I get a lollipop at the end. But the thing is, I really don't like needles. Needles and me just don't mix. And all of a sudden, I find myself being influenced again to inject drugs. And the very first time I ever injected drugs, it was with a dirty needle. And we all know the dangers of dirty needles. Let's have a gasp. <gasps> it was one of them moments. But the thing is, again, I found myself in a situation where I didn't have the strength to say no, but I said yes. And I injected this drug and, and the next day, again, because I've got a praying grandma, I really thank God for praying grandmas. And, and I reckon there were a lot more people praying for me. And I felt terrible, absolutely terrible the next day. And then over a period of time, my life started to just spiral really out of control. And uh, I went back to this drug dealer's house and he says, what you need, you need some heroin. And I'm thinking, no, I don't need any heroin. I've come for speed. He says, what you need is heroin. And then I started taking heroin. And the truth is, again, I had the mindset thinking, I'm in control of this. This is never going to control me. I ended up hopelessly addicted to heroin. I lost absolutely everything. 
I remember living in bed seats where water would pour down the, 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 the side of the wall where I didn't have any money to just put into the electric bar heater where I, I looked like a living dead man. Everything I did was focused around getting myself well. I never thought drugs had made me feel ill. I thought they'd make me feel happy, but they didn't. They made me feel incredibly ill. And I was absolutely lost. And I didn't know which way to turn. Do you know? And God is looking. And God is watching over every single person in the whole wide world with eyes which is so full of love. So the Bible teaches me. It says that he's got an everlasting love and it's a love which will never, ever, ever fail. It's a love which will continue along the timeline of eternity. And eternity goes on and on and on. And God was watching his son fail very, very fast. But he saw something on the inside of me. And I want to tell you, church, there's something on the inside of every single person. And that's called eternity set in the hearts of men. And all of a sudden there would have groan and there would have cry, which wasn't even verbalised from my lips. There was a look to heaven when I didn't even realise I was looking to heaven. And all of a sudden God heard the cry. God heard my plea saying, there's got to be more to this. There's got to be a way out for me. I'm trapped. I'm lost. I'm fumbling away in the dark. I don't know which way to turn. I am totally lost, Lord. The things which I thought brought me life brought me death and I want to tell you church Jesus Christ is amazing Jesus has got an amazing ability to be able to step into people's worlds and change the atmosphere and change his destinies and I want to tell you this series is called living free and I want to tell you I started to dream and I want to tell you church you need to start to dream I had a dream on the inside thinking what would it be like to be free from drugs? Can I possibly ever be free from drugs? And oh, God upstairs in heaven was thinking, guess what? You were starting to align yourself with the way I think and the dreams I have for you because God has got a purpose and a plan for every single one of us in this room, irrespective of if you've made a mess or not made a mess, if you've had a bad life or a good life. God has got an amazing plan for us and all of a sudden <laughs> God started to bring Christians into my life it wasn't a pulpit experience it wasn't a, a Renard Bonke hallelujah we're going to see Africa saved it wasn't one of them it wasn't a Benny Hinn moment floating and seeing the presence of God slay people in the spirit and completely heal them it was a middle class everyone said middle class middle class woman called Thelma who broke into my world like a valiant soldier thinking how on earth am I going to minister to this ruffian who looked really ill, long hair, smoking, taking so many drugs from the doctor, it's unbelievable. I woke up, I had to have diazepam, temazepam, methadone, heroin, speed. I went to my drug counsellor and said, I'm trying to give up heroin. I'm injecting speed now. She looked at me and said, you don't want to be doing that. And I thought, well, this is how you get free. You just change it for another drug. And all of a sudden, this woman, hallelujah, came into my world. And I'll never, ever forget, I was playing football. Women who were on probation. 
And there were this young guy saying, do you know, I know of a place called Teen Challenge. And I was trying desperately to, to get into a rehab. And I thought, ooh, Teen Challenge. He says, do you mind if it's Christian? I said, I don't mind whatsoever. And then all of a sudden, they give me a telephone number of Thelma. And Thelma came to my house, well, my mum's house, because I was trying to blag my mum for some more money to get more drugs. And uh, she, the first thing she did, this is someone who hasn't got a platform ministry. This is someone who's never had a drug problem whatsoever. This was someone who just had love for a down and out. And she knew the answer. She might not have known all the scriptures, but she knew the answer and the answer was Jesus. And she thought, I am going to go into his world and tell him about Jesus. Do you know, church, I want to encourage you. You have got the answer which is going to unlock countless countless people's lives. It might not be an addict, but it just might be someone who you can just say, Jesus can change your life. You might be praying for somebody and you're thinking, I can't see no change whatsoever. My grandma prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, saw no difference until one day, hallelujah, heaven opened up and Christians started to come into my world and started to share the love of God to me. They read the Bible. It went over me head. She spoke about revelation. It went over my head. She bought me fish and chips. It struck a chord in my heart. I thought, man, you love me. Wow. I want to tell you, church, it's just the simple, practical expressions of love which break down all the, the, the walls of hostility in the world of someone who has an addiction problem. <laughs> and then she says, you want to go to church? I thought, I'll go to church. And as I went to church, can you... Just come and play some music for me. Thank you, Paul. Uh, Paul. Uh. <laughs> Phil. <laughs> Do you know, as I went to church, remember, I'm unchurched. I had a label called I'm a Methodist because my grandma goes. I'm a Christian because I live in a Christian country. I went to church and... Do you know, there were hands raised in the air. And I thought, do you know, I like this singing thing. I felt very comfortable singing songs, not realising that my song was a song of deliverance over my life, not knowing that I was saying, Jesus, you know, I know you're there somewhere, but can you be real to me? Someone who's never believed, can you just touch my life? because I'm in desperate need of you. And I am continually in desperate need of Jesus. Yeah. I need Jesus Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah. And you know, they said, do you wanna pray a prayer? And I says, okay then. And, and they rambled these words, which didn't mean anything to me, but they meant everything to God. And they said, I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I've made a mess. You know, come into my world and take me by my hand and, and just lead me through this incredibly difficult season because I truly don't know how to get out of where I am. And Jesus came. I didn't even understand what it meant to pray for salvation. I, did, I didn't know the Bible, but 
Hope was birthed on the inside of me that day. Hope unlocked the future of some amazing possibilities where God started to minister to me and I went through Teen Challenge and it was incredibly hard and I came out of Teen Challenge and you know I've had my ups and my downs but I had a dream and that dream was Lord you know I want to serve you all the days of my life you know I just want to bring a smile to your face you know we sang let his praise ever be on my lips if that is all I would ever do from this moment on that would be enough because it's about having a one-to-one relationship with the master of the universe with God who spoke stars into being who who was so desperate to bring about a life transforming moment for me by sending Jesus who lived and died on a cross so that I could go free so that I could be redeemed bought back with a price with the shed blood of Jesus but you know Jesus rose from the dead and because he rose from the dead he has got the ability to raise every single person from dead situations from death to eternal life I was dying on the inside I was dying on the outside and Christ came into my world and brought me life God wants you to know this morning that you are incredibly precious to him that you may have been going through a season of adversity a season of difficulty where he will change your weeping for joy and then you'll learn this wonderful principle which I've learned it's called joy you know God has given me joy you know and before we started I've got so many great stories but time's running out I remember when they first prayed for me to receive the Holy Spirit you know they said you might fall over I thought what are you on about you know what I mean I thought this is strange but it went over my head you seem nice people and I went into this uh, living room and there were cushions on the floor I'm thinking why are the cushions on the floor and it says we want you to receive the baptism the power of God the Holy Ghost and I'll never ever forget the place hands on me I went down like a sack of spuds I thought who was punched me I could not get up I encountered God that day and was changed forever another God encounter and then I'm going to hand over to Chris I want to tell you, God can step in. I left Teen Challenge, all fired up for God. Thought I was the man of God. A little bit like Superman, man of steel. You know, I'd I'd go through revolving doors every now and again and put the cloak on and say, I believe I can fly. You know, there was just something. (laughs) I am the man. And all of a sudden, temptation overwhelmed me and I fell back into taking heroin. And I'll never ever forget, within the same weekend I left, I was using heroin, lying on my bed, thinking life is leaving my body God was there speaking you're going to be fine you've got a future in me I'll get you through this and I was the most miserable sinner (laughs) as a Christian it was unbelievable and I went to church one day 
And I said to my pastor, Pastor, can you pray for me? And he says, of course I can. He prayed for me. Heaven touched my world. Jesus set me free. And I've not touched a drug in 17 years. Gloriously set free by the touch of Jesus Christ. Now what I'd like us to do, let's just stand because what's going to happen right now is we just worship God. The touch of heaven is going to come on your life. I really believe there's going to be some divine encounter, some moments where God's anointing is just going to break chains. Whatever you need God to do today, ask him, Lord, can you do it now? I'm ready for my miracle. If you need healing, healing is in Jesus Christ. He carried your sickness away on the cross. <laughs> if you need breakthrough, breakthrough's there because his word brings us to a place of unlimited freedom. Thank you, Chris.